Well, it's uh, good to be with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Chad is taking a well-deserved day off. And in the interim, I am just grateful for the opportunity to be able to share God's word with you this morning. So before we get started, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, your word tells us that when two or more gather together, that you will be with us. Send your Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. Let me get out of the way and open our hearts and our minds to hear what you want us to hear. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, Christmas flew by and suddenly I look up and notice that we are at the beginning of a new year. It's around about this time, around Epiphany Sunday, that I wake up from the Christmas holiday blur and I have a chance to spend some time and reflect upon all of God's blessings that he has given to me and my family the previous year. And then I begin to look forward and dream about what the upcoming year will look like. I assess where I've been, I take inventory of what's been going on in my life and I get excited about the new possibilities of new beginnings. It was about this time again, uh, my mind goes back to around 2009 when for some reason I had this brilliant idea that I would try to relive my youth and all of my athletic prowess and attempt to run a marathon. <laughs> I remember sitting distinctly uh, on a lawn chair on Lake Houston Drive at the July 4th parade when one of the walkers came by and handed me a pamphlet that read, get in the best shape of your life. Come have fun as we will train for the Houston Marathon. Now, I have seen these folks before in previous years at the parade and I've always tried to not maintain eye contact because <laughs> I knew what they really wanted, but this was a milestone birthday for me coming up and I figured, what the heck, why not? In my mind, I was still in my 20s and I could, I could do this. Now, if you've ever thought about doing something like this or know somebody that is considering doing something like this, please see me after worship this morning and I will <laughs> give you the name of a good orthopedic doctor. <laughs> but as, as you can imagine, uh, for me, the race was challenging. It tested my endurance. It made me question my sanity. My family wondered where I was every Saturday morning. But I did find great satisfaction and fulfillment when I finished the race. I was tired. I was exhausted. I don't think I could really walk for several days. But the point was is that I was able to finish. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't painless. And it definitely wasn't in any record time. But I finished. And it was an accomplishment. And this idea or concept of running a race is one of the many metaphors used by the authors of the New Testament to describe the Christian life. And you probably remember in 2 Timothy when Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Isaiah says it this way. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not be faint. And there are numerous passages like this throughout the text. Our lives of faith in Jesus is like running a race. 
It's not a sprint. It's not a middle distance run. It's, it's a marathon. Running the race involves struggle, difficulty, and endurance. It's not easy, but in the end, it's worth it. So in the first several verses of Hebrews, we get a clear picture of our race as followers of Christ. The author gives an urgent call to the reader to run the race of faith with endurance, to lay aside any hindrances and sin, and to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Please listen now to the reading of God's word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you may not realize it, but right now, this morning, you are running a race. You're in the middle of it. And the question is, how will you finish? There's a starting line, a finish line, and a prize. This race requires discipline, sacrifice, and focus, things that sometimes make us a little uncomfortable if we want to accomplish our goal. But all along the way, there are obstacles that will get in our way and will try to slow us down as well. So when was the last time you thought of your life as a race? This text resonated with me particularly because of my own heart. I need to be constantly reminded that I'm in a race because I find it easy to get complacent, to get tripped up by sin. I become forgetful, distracted, and preoccupied with the busyness of life. And if I'm not careful, my life can easily and quickly become unsynced and my heart gets out of whack. And the writer of Hebrews, knowing our tendency to drift, gives us these three verses to put us back on track and to back into the race. The writer, who we really don't know with 100% certainty, helps us understand the reasons why running is difficult and gives us motivation to keep on running as well. And here it is in a nutshell. When we take our eyes off Christ, we will struggle to run. When we get preoccupied or forget to be, or become concerned with other things, we will find it difficult to run. The author begins our text this morning by reminding us that many of us have run the race of faith. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the word therefore points backwards, right? It connects us to the text in chapter 11 where we see great examples of faith, the hall of faith, the hall of fame of faith, remarkable men and women whose stories stand out to encourage us in our faith. These folks have run before us, living lives of faith, and because of their dependence on God, they have already crossed the finish line. Men like Moses and Joseph and David and women like Sarah and Rahab 
who we all look up to as heroes in scripture, right? And you're probably thinking, well, of course, you're talking about Moses and David, aren't you? They're at a different level than I am, right? But the point the author is making is that these men and women did not accomplish great things because they were amazing people. God took ordinary people and did much to their life because of their faith. If you recall, Moses was a stuttering murderer, Abraham a liar, Rahab a prostitute, David an adulterer, and Sarah a doubter. This is not a list of perfect people. It's a list of sinners like you and me who put their trust in God, who put their trust in God and watched him do amazing things in their lives. And they are a testimony to us today. And there's no promise that this race will be easy, that the race is downhill, that the wind will be at our back. On the contrary, we are confronted with trials and difficulties on a daily basis. Health concerns, conflict at work, family issues, the loss of loved ones. The list goes on and on and on. The encouragement to us this morning is that this great cloud of witnesses shows us that we are not the only ones running. And how are we to run? Verse 1b says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The New King James Version says it this way, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily snares or clings closely. The first discipline that we need is to lay aside. We must put away, we must remove anything that hinders our run. Just like a runner in the ancient world would throw off excess clothing or would eat a proper diet in preparation for the race, in the race of faith, we must lay aside every hindrance. The word weight is from the Greek word agkos, a word that describes a burden or something so heavy and cumbersome that it impedes a runner from running the race that he should. And weights aren't necessarily bad, but weights can impede God's call for us in our lives. In the Christian life, this is anything that distracts us. While not sinful themselves, these are things that can slow us down if, we're not, if they're not kept in proper perspective. Even the good things from God, things like family, and hobbies, sports, and even ministry at times, we must realize that if we solely focus on these good gifts from God, that we could miss better gifts from God. Evangelist J. Wilbur Chapman says it this way, my life is governed by this rule. Anything that dims my vision of Christ or takes away my hunger for the Christian life is wrong for me and I must turn away from it. If we're going to run the race with endurance, we need to lay aside sin. The ESV describes sin, describes it this way, sin that clings so closely. It's a great word picture, isn't it? Sin numbs us to God. Sin is an ever-present threat in our ability to run the race. Sin is sticky. Once we do it, it's hard to let go. It entangles us. It exerts tight control and easily trips us up. Sin causes us to forget that we are even in a race at all. It's like running 
with a hundred pound backpack. David describes the effect of his own sin. He says it this way, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. There are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. And this is from Psalms 40, 12. Let's continue on with the next few verses. Verse 1, B and 2 say, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's difficult to maintain focus in our culture. We have so many distractions, so many devices, so much technology designed to alert us when it's time to go to a meeting, when we receive a text message or an email. All of this to help us stay informed and to make our lives easier, but in actuality, it keeps our minds racing from one thing to another. It's tough for us to constantly gaze at Jesus, isn't it? Looking at Jesus means we desperately look away from other things in our lives and focus on him. It takes effort and intentionality because our default focus is self and circumstances and others. But the ultimate example of the Christian life is Jesus Christ on whom we should fix our eyes on because he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the founder because he fulfilled God's promises that he set forth in Genesis 3 to send a Messiah to redeem the world. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith because he fulfilled the task that God called him to do. He is to have first place in everything of our lives. He is to be the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. You see, folks, it's kind of like we have to put blinders on and actively set our focus and gaze upon Christ in this moment, in the next moment, and in every moment. He's to fill our hearts and our minds, and he is to be all of us. We see this wisdom from the Proverbs, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Who is the joy that is set before him that he endured the cost, despising the shame and set it at the right hand of God the Father? Despising the shame simply means that even when Jesus endured great shame, he ignored it. Even in the worst kind of humiliating death, he did not get distracted or turn away. One commentator said it this way, on the cross, Jesus plumbed the furthest depths of human shame. This is to say that on the cross, Jesus endured humiliation, but he, was not, he did not let the suffering on the cross defer him from his goal. Jesus gave no regard to the humiliation of dying on the cross when compared to the reward set before him by obeying his father. And why did he do it? He saw the prize. He saw the reward and therefore he endured. His prize was the completing of his mission to accomplish the will of his father and to be seated, as verse two says, at the right hand of the throne of God. There he rules and reigns as the conquering hero. 
But that's not all. Jesus patiently waits for us to ask him for help. Hebrew 4 calls it the throne of grace. For this is where Jesus intercedes for us. It is there that he offers mercy and grace and helps us in time of need. When we falter and trip and even fall, he waits for us to encourage us and remind us that no matter how shameful our sin has been, no matter how much guilt we have felt, his grace goes deeper than our deepest sin. Jesus finished the race. And now we are called to fix our eyes on him, not on our own sin and not on our own failings, not on our own inadequacies, but on him. Let us eliminate the heartache of sin by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And finally, we're told to run this race that we have in life with endurance. The word race here is the word agon in Greek, which can be translated to mean agony. It's not a stroll in the park. It's a marathon and the race is tough. The race demands great energy, activity, and effort. Dallas Willard said it this way, God is not against effort, but is against earning. We don't earn God's favor, but we need to put in effort in the Christian life. Friends, it's not that we just start well. We must end well with this life that God has so generally given to us. It's easy to get tired and fatigued when life beats us down. It's easy to start to slow down and sometimes even stop running the Christian faith. We've said in the past, I've done my time. I've taught Sunday school. I've participated in church. I've been a deacon, an elder. I've done all the things. And some of us say it's time to let the younger folks pick it up. And to some extent, that's true. But God didn't call us to run half of the race. He called us to run and finish the race. The race that he alone has given to us and that we are called to obey, to be diligent, to persevere to the end. Halftime is a book I read about 20 years ago when I was in my 40s. And it was written by a guy named Bob Buford. And Bob was a Christian business leader and wanted his readers to know that life is short and that we need to make every day count. And for those of us where our jobs were the most important things during those years, Bob explained to me that promotions and status may be okay to chase for a while, but to always remember that God has something better in store. Bob's book provided encouragement and insight to help me realize that I needed to move away from chasing a life of success on this earth and move towards living a life of significance. It was about finding a way to serve God for me in the second half of my life. Bob passed on, but if you find yourself asking questions about career or life, I encourage you to pick up this book. If we have breath in our lungs, we have not finished our race. We must run with endurance because the race that God calls us is not a hundred yard dash, but it's a 26.2 mile marathon. So friends, uh, so what? Uh, please don't hear me this morning as that, that there is any condemnation. This is an area of my life 
that I constantly need to examine. Every year that God gives me, I take an opportunity to reflect, to reflect upon the life that Jesus so generously gave me. And please remember that we're not comparing ourselves with others. This is an individual race that God has set before each of us. We alone are accountable to him for the use of our time, our talents, and our treasures that he has given us so that we will run this race and bring him glory. If life has derailed us and taken our focus off Christ, that's okay. If we've gotten overly busy with work or friends or school or family, that's okay too. Let us remember that God's grace is only a whisper away. All he wants us to do is turn to him, to humbly confess that we have fallen short and wholeheartedly embrace Jesus as king. He's ready and willing to forgive us and welcome us with open arms. He is our perfect example and our goal to do the best we can to emulate him. He loved us enough to sacrifice his life so that we can put our trust in him. Friends, let us remember, it's a race, it's a long haul, that we are in it until our last breath and that there have been those that have gone before us and they're there cheering us on. Let us all run God's race well. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we're so grateful that you are the author and finisher of our faith. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to set us free and that you gave us the grace to be with you today. In Christ's name I pray, amen.